0: Our scripture this morning comes from the first chapter of John, verses 10 through 18. It is a traditional epiphany reading, and it speaks about the incarnation, about the Word becoming flesh, about God coming to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So hear these words from the first chapter of John, verses 10 through 18. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept it. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John, the one we call the Baptist, testified to him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me or ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God as God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. That is God's word for us. Jesus' birth is a divine moment. But divine moments can be hard to recognize. The problem is not with the transmitter. The problem is with the receiver. The transmission is perfect. But just as uh, in Jesus' time, in in our day, we don't always recognize what God is up to. When we look at the, the world, when we look at different things that are going on in world, uh, on the world stage, we might ask ourselves the question, where's God in all this? Or is God there at all? Uh, Is God interested at all? Where do we see any evidences of God? You may ask that kind of question. In our own community, you may have the, the same thoughts. What Is God up to? What's God up to in my life? Where do I find God in my life? Where do I sense His presence? Where do I experience His grace? How does that happen? Well, you're not the only one who asks those kind of questions. That's not a recent phenomenon. That's not unique to this particular point in time in the life of the world and the life of the church. People have been wondering about where God is and missing His presence for centuries, for millennia. Shortly after these words in the first chapter of John and the twelfth chapter of John, Jesus has entered Jerusalem, and here's uh, the prayer that Jesus prays after he's had the triumphal entry, the uh, the day that we call Palm Sunday, and all the uh, hoopla is over, and Jesus is now aware more aware of that which he is going to have to face so he says this in prayer to God the Father now my soul's troubled and what should I say Father save me from this hour no it's for this reason that I have come to this hour Father glorify your name that's Jesus prayer then a voice comes from heaven I have glorified it and I will glorify it again and the crowd was standing around heard and some in the crowd said it was thunder I can imagine a few of them looked up at the sky and wondered where the the rain clouds were was thunder others said well maybe an angel has spoken the problem is not with the transmitter the problem is with the reception the receiver almost 1600 years earlier the same problem existed Elijah one of God's prophets now fleeing from uh, trouble, is instructed to go to Mount Horeb and receive further instruction. So here's the instruction. Go out and stand on that mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, the Lord was not in an earthquake, not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. The problem for us, for all folks seeking God, it's not with the transmitter. It's with the receiver. And I wonder how often in the course of our life we miss God's presence. We dismiss it. It sounds like thunder. Looks like it might rain today. We're looking for the big event, the fire, the earthquake, the, some kind of big moment that will clearly let us know that God is present and then lo and behold we read in scripture that God is not in those kinds of big events always. But it's the still small voice that we need to tune our ear to. Transmission is perfect. The reception is faulty the facts of jesus life particularly his birth don't tell the whole story we know he was born we know in matthew that he had to flee with his family that the holy family mary and joseph and jesus had to run away literally for their lives escape we don't hear anything about Jesus after that escape in any of the other gospels, save for Luke. We hear nothing about Jesus until his baptism. In Luke, we get the strange story of Jesus who, who basically either either got lost or ran away from home. But it, whatever, uh, however, we, we try to understand that story. The Holy Family, Mary, Joseph, all the kids go to Jerusalem, probably for a Passover observance. It's a pilgrimage. And think of Home Alone. You know how Kevin got left behind in Home Alone? Uh, They probably took a head count, and somewhere along the line, they counted somebody that wasn't Jesus, and they said, We got everybody. Let's go. We're leaving. They hit the trail. And uh, somewhere along the way, they realize Jesus wasn't with them. They turn around and they go back and find him. Jesus doesn't seem to be terribly concerned that he's missing, doesn't seem to bother the 12 year old at all, doesn't see what the problem is, gives his parents some strange response I was in my father's house, didn't you know that? And after uh, Mary and Joseph jerk him out of the temple, and it says Mary pondered these things in her heart, and I can imagine if she was anything like my mother, she did a lot of pondering about her son. And takes Jesus back. The problem is not with the transmitter. The problem is faulty reception. And we don't hear anything about Jesus till baptism. And then after the baptism, we, we hear about a Jesus who, who attended parties, apparently liked to go to parties. I don't know that we could call him the life of the party, but at least the stories that we have about him, he always seems to be the center of attention when he goes to one. He told pithy stories that nobody understood, that has kept people like me employed for almost 2,000 years. So we can stand up and try to interpret the stories that the people that actually heard the stories originally didn't understand. But lo and behold, you've got got folks like me that can now stand up and make everything known to you. Pithy stories. We call them parables. Things that still uh, hold deep. And profound meaning for us in the church. He did amazing things. In fact, most of the Gospel of Mark, the reaction that the crowd has after Jesus does something is, is, Mark says, is, and they were amazed. And that's all we got. I imagine, and I wonder if, you know, maybe later. Some point later, uh, they in a particular town or village, they might have been standing around, maybe sitting around talking about stuff, and somebody might have said, "You remember the guy that came through? I don't know when it was ten years ago, whatever it was. Remember that guy? He, uh, he uh, the guy you know heals somebody who was lowered through a roof, and the guy got up off his mat and he walked away. You remember that guy?" Wonder what ever happened to him. That wasn't that an you know wasn't that an amazing event. That's how Mark describes it. The crowd was amazed. Problem is not with the transmitter. It's faulty reception. He made religious authorities and government. Authorities extremely angry. Religious authorities, because he challenged them at the point of uh, of what they thought they knew, and and tried to say, Well, the kingdom of God is like. He told the stories and, and he said, You have heard it said, you know, you should, you know, hate your enemies. Love your friends. But I'm telling you, you've got to love your enemies. Blessed are the meek. And the religious authorities looked at him and said, you can't tell us anything. We've already got it all written down here. If you want to know what God really says, here it is. We've written it all down for you. You seem like you're a pretty good communicator, Why don't you just preach what we've already got written down? We've already defined everything. You're welcome to take that and go and preach that. And Jesus said, you know, very diplomatically, I'm sure, you're a brood of vipers. He made him angry. Government authorities, he made mad enough that they wanted to kill him. And of course, they did. But not before, just for good measure, they tortured him. There's never been any problem with the transmission, the problem is with the reception. The incarnation, God coming to us, revealing himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ is the great affirmation of the Christian faith. In that event, in that moment, in that epiphany, God says, I will no longer be distant, I'll no longer be aloof, I'll no longer be indefinable, I'll no longer be vague. I'm going to make myself known so that you can come, so that you can embrace the love that I have to offer. Now, through all this snow and and below zero temperatures and and, uh, everything we experienced about a week or so ago, I was reminded looking out uh, my back window uh, and seeing birds in our yard Kind of hopping around uh, a lot, probably trying to stay warm, trying to survive of an old story that I heard years ago, and i 've heard it uh, since uh, since that time, but it 's an old preacher story I heard a long time ago about a farmer and his wife that were preparing to go to Christmas Eve service and it was snowing and it was cold outside and as they got ready to uh, to open the barn door and, and get in the vehicle that so they could head to the church. Uh, the farmer, just before opening the door, he noticed that there were a bunch of birds out in, out in this cold, snowy day, snowy night. And he was very concerned, and when he opened the door, he thought, well, maybe they'll just hop on in and come on into the barn, and they'll be okay. They'll, they'll be safe. I'll just open the door, and they'll come on in. But much to his surprise, when he opened the door, that they went exactly in the opposite direction, as fast as they could go. And they kept hopping around, out in the snow. And the farmer said, well, maybe if I feed them, maybe if I give them something, uh, they'll trust me enough to to come on in. So he got some you know, grain and he scattered it out there thinking the birds will follow the trail and they'll come on in here and they'll be safe and they'll be warm. And the birds didn't trust that. Didn't. Didn't uh, come, but only so close, but not all the way in. And finally, the farmer looked at his wife and he said, You know, I wonder, you know, I have a dream. I wonder if I became a bird. There's somehow I could become a bird. And if I could get out there with the birds, uh, that they'd follow me on in here to where it's safe and warm and they'd be secure. And their life would be saved. They'd be whole. They'd be okay. I wonder if I did that, if the birds would, would follow me. I think, he said, in fact, I, I'm sure they would. If I just became a bird, they'd do that. And about in that moment, he glanced up in the sky. He heard church bells in the distance. And he saw the star, A-star. And he was reminded of the incarnation of what God did in Jesus Christ. And he shook his head and he said I guess that's what God did. And I guess we're still still even though it was perfectly revealed we still have a hard time receiving it. Transmission's perfect. My prayer is our reception will improve. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. For you coming to us in person of Jesus Christ for it's in his name we pray Amen let me invite you to turn in your hymnals to our hymn of commitment There's...